0: Good morning, welcome to another exciting broadcast of Sunshine USA. I'm Warren Landis and I am the Bible teacher and host here on Sunshine USA. And I also want to welcome our friends listening by way of Anchor FM and Spotify and some of the other platforms that we broadcast on. Uh, As you know, this is a program that is dedicated to the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the word of God. And so I hope that you'll pray for this ministry every day that we'll accomplish the work that God has given us to do. Now, in our latest Bible study series, we're going through the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel is a very interesting book. It's got twelve chapters. Now, the first six chapters in Daniel are relatively easy to understand, and they are basically narrative. Now, when we get into the second half of Daniel, which we will be doing on the next broadcast, then you go into a more prophetic part of the book. And that's when (laughs) the studying of those chapters becomes uh, a lot more difficult. So if you haven't started reading Daniel chapters 7 through 12 yet, I recommend that you go ahead and do so. It'll probably take you longer to read through the second set of six chapters as it did the first set of six chapters. And that's because it's material that's much more difficult and complex and harder to understand. But nonetheless, we will give it our best shot. But now today we'll be in Daniel chapter six, which is the last of the narrative chapters. And the last of the chapters you might say that's relatively easy uh, to understand. Now, I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel, chapter 6. And like I say, in just a moment, we'll begin reading with verse number 1. I want to make sure that you have time to turn in your Bibles to Daniel, chapter 6. And uh, I'll be reading from the King James Version, which is my usual custom on this uh, particular broadcast. And it says here it pleased Darius. Now, Darius was the new king over this area known as Babylon. Um, The rule of Nebuchadnezzar had finally um, been overthrown. His son, for a while, took over and served as a type of caretaker president for his father, who was basically... Not well enough to be king. But in the last broadcast we see where his son Belshazzar put on a party and it was there that God revealed that the kingdom would fall and indeed it did. In fact the enemy was coming into the country even as the party was going on. And so now we have a new leader in place, his name is Darius. And it pleased Darius, the new king, to set over the kingdom a 120 princesses, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was the first, that the princesses might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. And then Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princesses because of an excellent spirit that was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole, the whole realm. Now, as we're going to see in a moment, uh, the other princes weren't exactly thrilled about this, because after all, Daniel was a foreigner. Bearing in mind, you know, Daniel ultimately was a captive himself. He was a farmer, and the idea that so much authority would be given to a foreigner like Daniel, didn't sit well with them. Now, of course, it also lets us know that Daniel had acquired all this authority because he was faithful to God. And God caused Daniel to have favor with those in power. And it lets us know that when we're faithful to God, when we do that which God has for us to do, In the end, we're going to be blessed. We're going to be like the cream that rises to the top. And that's exactly the way it was with Daniel. He was a man of great character. A man with a proven success record. Now, by the way, it's interesting to note here that Darius, it seems, made a very wise and practical choice. I mean, Daniel already had a lot of leadership experience in this part of the world. Daniel knew what he was doing, and he was good at it. And we find that that's the way it is even in our day. You gradually gain experience, and as you gain experience, then, of course, you get more and more opportunities in which to serve. You know, uh, I tell young seminary students all the time that you have to understand your first church is not going to be a 10 or 20,000 member church. It's probably going to be a small church out in the boondocks and you're probably going to have, you know, 30 or 40 members. But that church is going to give you an opportunity to prove what you're made of. Now, when you come to that church, what you need to do is to serve that church diligently. You serve that church earnestly. You serve that church like you're going to be there your whole life, and you might. (laughs) But most importantly, it's a church where you will gain experience. You will learn how to manage the church and how to Make the church grow, and you will learn how to spiritually develop your members. You'll learn this, and as you do, you'll become very attractive to other churches down the road that will probably be bigger. But you always have to remember, you're probably going to start small, not big. Amen. And when you get to the bigger church... You may not be the senior pastor yet. You might be an associate staff member, but that's okay because all along, you're building and developing experience. And that's the way Daniel was here. He was a seasoned leader, a seasoned leader with experience. And then the presidents and princesses sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom but they could find none occasion nor fault, For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Now, by the way, that's an outstanding testimony. When people look at you, they look at your life, and they honestly can't see anything wrong there. That's the kind of guy Daniel was. Now, I'm sure it's safe to say Daniel was not seamlessly perfect. But as far as his outward life was concerned, when you looked at his outward life, you seemingly could find no fault. Then said these men, we shall not find occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Now, you see, this brings up another point. They knew that Daniel was a great man of God. And they knew, based on past experience, that if Daniel had to choose between pleasing men or pleasing the king and pleasing God, Daniel would choose pleasing God every time. And then these presidents and princesses assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. (laughs) Basically, they're trying to flatter the king. They're trying to make the king feel good and impress them in that way, all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princesses and counselors and captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and, make, and, and rather to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Now, (laughs) I want to stop here for just a few moments of commentary. Now, the king, generally speaking, would be the kind of political leader that today we would call an absolute monarch. In other words, uh, the king typically didn't have to try to get his legislative agenda through Congress. There was no Congress. (laughs) The king made a ruling, and that was the law of the land. And in this case, the king could issue a decree. But here's the thing once that decree was issued and signed by the king, it was irreversible. In other words, once the king signed a law saying that nobody could pray to anybody but to the king, then the king had no choice but to enforce that particular law. And in this case that meant such a person would be cast into the den of lions. Wherefore the king signed the writing and the creed. That's in verse 9. Now, ask yourself this question. Why did the king sign this? Well, you know, it obviously made the king feel good. I mean, uh, the king probably thought, well, you know, it's probably a pretty good idea for me to be a hero among the people and for the people to pray to me instead of anybody else. It really pumped up his ego, ego real big. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. In other words, Daniel apparently knew about this decree. I mean, given the authority that he had, he was probably one of the first to to know about it. And he decided, I'm not going to do anything different here than I normally do. So he goes to the window facing Jerusalem and he prays. And he does this three times a day. But now this is not to put on some kind of show. This is what he did all day, every day. He prayed three times, morning, noon, and night. He prayed, and he prayed right there in front of the window. Now, in light of the decree signed by the king, Daniel might have thought to himself, you know, these guys are probably setting a trap for me. I think I'll pray in the bathroom, or I think I will pray in my bedroom. I will pray in the innermost part of the house where nobody can see me. I would still be praying to God, and I would still be praying three times a day, just not where people could see me. You see, Daniel was smart enough to know that indeed and in fact, these guys were probably trying to set a trap for him. But he decides that in the end, he's going to do the same thing he's always done. He's not going to rationalize. He's going to continue doing what he's always done. Verse 11, then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days, save thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. In other words, they were reminding the king that this is an irreversible decree. And anybody found violating this decree has to be cast into the den of lions, no exceptions. Not even the king has the power or the authority to stop it. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel. <laughs> Notice the way they said, That Daniel. <laughs> you can almost hear how much they despised Daniel by listening to their voice. That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. And then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said, Unto the king, know, O king, that the law of the Persians and Persians is that no decree or statute which the king established may be changed. In other words, once again, the king had the authority to issue any decree that he wanted to. I mean, that's one of the advantages of being a dictator. You can come up with any law you want to. But once you sign it in the law, you can't change it. And then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually... He will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lord's, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Now notice the reaction of the king here. He's he's obviously very worried. Daniel was obviously one of his favorite leaders. And he really hated to throw Daniel into the den of lions. and notice that the um, that uh, the king here is um, um, very concerned, and he tells Daniel, he says, "I know that your God will deliver thee." In other words, in spite of the fact that you're about to be cast into this den of lions, in spite of the fact that you know there's going to be this steel, I mean the seal rolled over the den of lions, and I'm gonna have to seal it with my own signet. The bottom line is I know that your God is going to deliver thee. And the king sealed it, we're told, with his own signet and with the signet of his lord's, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. And when the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting, neither were the instruments of music brought before him, and sleep went from him. (laughs) Now, you know, this is quite a contrast. We know that Daniel slept very well that night in spite of being in the den of lions. But notice it's the king who can't seem to sleep. Then the king rose up early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spoke and said unto Daniel, Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is, thou, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? And then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. Now, this was the same greeting that the other presidents had used. But in this case, I think that in many ways, this was a more sincere reading coming from Daniel. He says, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me for as much as before him innocency was found in me and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. And then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. Now that's in verse 23. Now, I want you to notice something. The king now orders that Daniel be removed from the lion's den. I mean, the thing about it is (laughs) even though the decree said Daniel had to be thrown into the lion's den, it didn't say how long he had to stay there. And by this point, If Daniel had survived, it was obvious he was going to survive. So he brings Daniel up out of the lion's den. And notice that Daniel has an unwavering faith in God. A faith in God that even King Darius can see. And it was very impressive. And the king commanded that they brought those men which had accused Daniel... And he cast them into the den of lions, them and their children and their wives. And the lions had the mastery of them and broke all their bones in pieces and ever they came out out of the bottom of the den. So we see in the end, the men that had accused Daniel, now they're the ones thrown into the lion's den. And not only them, but their whole families, their wives, their children, everybody. Now, there's a lesson to be learned here. One of the lessons to be learned here, of course, is the fact that when we disobey God, as these men obviously did, it not only affects those who disobey God, but it affects everybody in their family. For example, you know, in our day, we would say that when a person goes to prison, not only is the person going to prison being punished, but in many ways their spouse is punished as well. Because now the spouse has to take care of the rest of the family all by themselves. And the children suffer because one of their parents has been thrown into prison. And so you see, the thing that's so terrible about sin, it doesn't just affect the person committing the sin. It it really affects everybody in that whole family. And the Bible furthermore indicates that when a person sins, they really put into motion a chain of reaction that, in many ways, will affect future generations of that family. I mean, that's true. (laughs) So just remember, when you commit a sin, you're not just bringing judgment upon yourself. You're bringing hardship upon your spouse and your kids and everybody near and dear to you. Just remember that. And then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in, the, in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever in his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even to the end. He delivereth and rescueth, he worketh signs and wonders in the heaven and in the earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So we see that it really pays to be faithful to God. Daniel had become a man of great prominence, And now you have even the king declaring how great and good God is, the God of Daniel. And boy, that is quite a testimony. Amen? Amen. And there's a lot we can learn from that in our day, and that is learning to be faithful to God and leave the consequences to God. Amen? Amen. Well, that brings us to the end of chapter 6. And in the next broadcast, we come to chapter 7. Now, like I say, chapters 7 through 12 in Daniel are a lot harder to understand. And that's why I suggest that you go ahead and get started reading uh, Daniel chapter chapter 7 through 10. And I'll begin my commentary with chapter 7 In the next broadcast. Now once again let me remind you if you have any uh, Bible study questions, if you have any prayer requests, I would love to pray with you over any prayer requests that you have. And if you give me permission I'll be glad to share these prayer requests with the unseen unnumbered radio audience that we have. Uh, I have two email addresses and that's the best way for you to contact me. Uh, My first email address is warrenlendis at yahoo.com. And the second email address is warrenlendis at gmail.com. Now, if you wish to contact me the old-fashioned way, the snail mail way, my snail mail address is warrenlendis, 80 Thruston Street. That's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, Thruston Street, apartment number 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. And I'll be glad to hear from you. And when you enclose that envelope, and really before you enclose the envelope, I would pray about whether the Lord would have you to send a financial contribution to this ministry that we can grow the ministry and do some of the things we would like to do this year. Some of the stuff we want to do this year or at least starting this year, cost a good bit of money. And that's where you come in. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And I certainly hope that uh, you will tune in next time for Sunshine USA. And we'll do it all over again. So until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And I'll see you next time. On Sunshine USA.